Hello and welcome to another live edition of the Cyclone Insider podcast and YouTube stream. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson coming to you on Wednesday morning of Cyhawk Week. Iowa and Iowa State both 1-0 after beating FCS opponents earlier this week. Iowa State did so convincingly. Iowa less so. Uh, we're going to hear to break down the matchup from certainly the Iowa State side, but I think, Randy, both you and I have a lot of thoughts um, on Iowa after you know watching that game and talking to our colleagues, uh, Kennington Smith and Chad Lysakow, who will both be at the game with us on Saturday, along with an entire huge, massive contingent of Des Moines Register uh, <laughs> Sports Department. I guess, do we need to go back over anything from Saturday with SEMO? Randy, I feel like we probably covered most of everything after the game, but any lingering thoughts from Iowa State's 42-10 to 10 victory over the Red Hawks? I don't think so, other than the fact that um, Cartavius Norton will not play. Um, it sounds like he won't play. I mean, Campbell's never definitive about that stuff, but um, I think we can take it to the bank that he's not playing. Um, and for a guy that, that had well, – how many carries did he have? Three, four, uh, maybe three? I, I talked to a lot of fans, and I'm sure you did too, and I got a lot of input from fans. Those three carries, however many however many he, he had, were certainly enough to thrill Iowa State fans for the future of Iowa State's um, rushing game. But anyway, he's he's not playing, and Jake Ramsburg, the right tackle, I, I, he's not going to play, although he – Campbell said he was going to return to the practice field this week. Um, it's still going to be a while, I guess. I'm still guessing um, September 24th against Baylor in the Big 12 – opener but as far as going over the stats I don't I don't think I don't think we need we need to to dwell a whole lot on that it's just it's about moving forward and it's about um it's about a lot of things I mean primarily I'm guessing that Hunter Decker's playing against the best defense he'll play against all year and and um his first road game as a starter and certainly first in Iowa City yeah I mean I think obviously everybody knows Matt Campbell 0-5 against Iowa. Well, obviously, they did not play in 2020. Iowa State has lost six straight in the series. Randy, you wrote about how they have not created a turnover in well over half a decade in this series. I, mean, I feel like everybody is well aware. I mean, I asked this question to somebody earlier today, or at least I gave my opinion. It, to me, it feels like Iowa knows – what it's doing against Iowa State and that they, they have a blueprint for winning that game, which is probably not that much different from their blueprint of winning every game. But to me, this does not feel all that fluky. I mean, yes, you had the the muffed punt back in 2019, but it, I feel like Iowa has been the better team in all of, if not the vast majority, if not all of these five matchups under Matt Campbell, but they've been close. It just seems to me that Iowa's been able to do what Iowa State wants to do, just a little bit better in terms of taking care of the football, minimizing mistakes, and leaning on your defense to win close games. And that's what we've seen a lot in these in this series recently. And Iowa's just been, you know, that much better. That's that's the thing. Um, um, I the, look at the the offensive statistics. They favor they certainly favor Iowa State the last four or so. Of, of the games um, favor Iowa state by fairly significant margin. But like you said, like you said, Travis, Iowa state 
is making the mistakes. I mean, the, like you said, the muff punt, for example, the turnovers, other other stuff, and um, yeah, it, it's just it's just been that that <clears throat> Campbell uses it a lot. The that maybe once a week, the winning in the margins type of stuff, and what's happened to Iowa State, um, at least recently against Iowa, is is a um, a classic. Um, definition definition of that Iowa is, is a team that I I don't care what happened in game one I mean we can throw that out you can't make those kind of mistakes especially offensively <clears throat> against against um, against Iowa Iowa State, Iowa's defense is is the best Iowa State will play like I said um, and and to me it's it's and I Iowa State will put up a, a wonderful defense too I think it'll be a low scoring game but um, the the deal is 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 how Iowa State moves the ball if it moves the ball against against the defense. I mean, with a with a new quarterback, with a I guess the off, Iowa State's offensive line right now is is more veteran than it's not. Um, um, well, certainly, we know Jirel Brock can play. At least we've seen that after game one, and we've seen it. Um, last year against Clemson, this, I think it just comes down to to Hunter Deckers and and uh, and the receivers. Yeah, I mean, I think what's going, what already has dominated the discussion, and I think will likely dominate the discussion into the weekend, is Iowa's offense after scoring just a field goal last week against South Dakota State. Obviously, the defense gets two safeties that puts them over the top. You know, I don't know that I've seen a definitive stat, but I, I think the closest I saw was the first team to score exactly seven points without a touchdown in at least over 40 years. And that, that's obviously going to to drive a lot of discussion, especially after the issues they've had offensively under Brian Ferentz with Spencer Petras at quarterback. And Randy, I was talking to our, our colleague Chad Lysakow earlier today, and to me, I this is such a precarious position for Iowa to be in, and they've kind of boxed themselves in at a program level, not at a team level, but I feel like they've boxed themselves in with the struggles they've had offensively, with the fact that the offensive coordinator is the head coach's kid, the fact that the coach has been there now for, what, 23, 24 years, is that whatever annoyances the fan base has, despite all the victories, are they? Farron still does, I think, a lot of things that kind of rub at least some loud people very wrongly. And to me, when, as we go into this game on Saturday for Iowa, they're, they're in a really – ugly place of where every single offensive possession is going to be a referendum on the program because they've been struggling so bad on that side of the the ball because of the Ferentz connection there, because of sticking what seems to be with sticking with Petrus, that if they go three and out in that first drive or they fail to, to really move the ball in the first quarter, that Kinnick crowd is going to turn on them. I, I think it'll be bad for the home team there if the Iowa offense does not show some signs of life early, and that's going to create a really strange dynamic in the game. Like, don't get me wrong. This is still going to be an incredibly hostile environment for Iowa State, but I do wonder, like, the mood of that building, if Iowa, which they probably will struggle offensively given what we've seen and the fact we think Iowa State's defense is probably pretty good, that if they go three and out or if they just can't put points on the board – like the 
the mood and tension in that building is going to be very strange. And again, I think it's a referendum on the whole program on every single offensive drive, which is absolutely not where you want to be as a program. Dude, I talked to people who were at that game Saturday, the Iowa game last Saturday, when the students, the students now start chanting for the backup quarterback, you got problems. You really got problems. And that's, that's exactly what happened. It's um, it's a, it's not a good situation over there. I've covered Iowa for a lot of years. Everybody knows that. Um, yeah, it, it can get it can get hostile um, with Iowa fans on uh, being very critical, vocally critical of their of their own team. And you're right, Travis. You are absolutely right. It's that I can't I can't even imagine. I cannot imagine what that stadium will be like if Iowa State defense holds <clears throat> Iowa to three and out on, on the Hawks' first possession. And but I and I don't know how Iowa State will even react to that because certainly Iowa State players will hear what's going on. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's just going to be an interesting dynamic if, in fact, that happens. I mean, even if, in fact, somehow Iowa – doesn't Iowa continues to struggle on offense just to see, to hear the fans, how they react, depending on what the score is, of course, but to hear the fans, how they react. And I'm curious about how the Iowa, the Iowa state um, players react as well. Does it, does it, does it create more momentum for them? I don't think they have, I don't think they need a whole lot more momentum Um, or does it make, make them more anxious? I don't know. It's, it's just going to be an interesting dynamic. If in fact, it happens, which is certainly it. It certainly could. Yeah, I mean, like there's a other side of the ball too. Like I think that Iowa defense, even going against right. the South Dakota State team, like I think all signs to point to them being pretty damn good, and they're going to make life difficult for Hunter Deckers for Jirel Brock. I got to imagine they're going to defend Xavier Hutchinson very differently and quite a much, quite a bit better than uh, Southeast Missouri did, especially early with the three straight touchdowns. So I think you're right, Randy, that you, what you mentioned earlier, like if we, if we think that the Iowa offense is as uh, anemic as we do that, and that the Iowa State defense is solid enough, then it is really going to come down to can Iowa State's offense beat that Iowa defense enough and consistently to put a touchdown, two touchdowns, three touchdowns on the board and completely erase – you know, the chance for those, you know, seemingly you know, for those big plays to make a big difference down the stretch. Can they get out by two possessions? So they're not having to win in those margins. So they're not having to hope that that Iowa defense just doesn't or offense just doesn't break a tackle and go 80 yards. I mean, that's the problem when you're playing in these close games. Even if you dominate that Iowa offense for 59 and a half minutes, we've seen that Iowa team time and time again win games it should not win, games in which it's been bludgeoned you know, for most of the game and then comes back and wins late. If you're Iowa State, you have to take advantage of how difficult Iowa is finding it to move the ball. Get out by two touchdowns or two possessions, and then you can try to bleed the clock. But if, if you're playing a back-and-forth punt field position game with Iowa, you're inviting problems if you're Iowa State. Yeah, and, and let's not forget this. Let's not forget this. 
the field position will play a huge factor in this game. Like it does every game. Do not get me wrong. It does every game. But but this game in particular, because with the Iowa punter, who's, who seemingly has a, a, has a, a magnet for landing the ball in the inside the five yard line. Um, great punter, best punter in college, in college football. Um, Iowa state's going to be starting drives inside the five yard line. That's when the Iowa defense or any defense, that's when defenses get excited. Okay. That's when they, that, that gives them more momentum than, than anything. So it's, so I was, let's say Iowa state's got the ball third and third and five at the, at the, at, at its own 10. Iowa State's got the ball third and five at its own 10. Deckers drops back to pass. Those are the finds, I don't know, Jalen Knoll. Let's look, let's say Jalen Knoll. Sees him open for a split second in the flat, throws the ball, and then boom, here comes a pick six and for a walk-in, for a walk-in touchdown. I've seen it happen before. And it all starts with that with that punter. Um it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effect he has on this game. He certainly has affected games in the past. Talking with Jalen Knoll yesterday, who um, who will return punts for Iowa State. He's watching film of of Tory Taylor, the punter. He's watching film. Not and I asked him. I said, "Are you putting more emphasis into the punter in this game than you do other games?" And he said, "Not necessarily, but because they already know so much about." about what the kid can do. So it's going to be that, that part of the game is going to be going to be extremely interesting um, to me as well. And especially if it's a, if it's a, if it's a rainy day, I mean, the field will be fine, but um, if it's a rainy day, um, like I see rains now could be possibly coming into the forecast, it could be a slick ball. Um, and I'm not just talking about catch, throwing and catching a pass, catching a, a slick ball. I'm talking about kicking and, covering and catching a kick with a slick ball with defense running down that like rather take your head off than look at you. Um, it's going to, I think that could, that whole kicking thing could throw a whole dynamic into this game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Iowa state obviously untested in that department, uh, you know, with the, the first time specialists there that they have, but Randy, I think like the other thing that we probably shouldn't overlook when we're talking about this is this will be the first time, that Iowa State is really going to go out and ask Hunter Deckers to play 60 minutes of football. You know, last year he played in two meaningful games against Iowa and Oklahoma. The Iowa game was just the fourth quarter, I believe. Oklahoma was just a handful of series until Brock Purdy came back in. Then, obviously, last week his first uh, his debut as a starter against an FCS opponent that they blow out by five touchdowns. This will be the first time where he's got to be really good consistently for an entire football game. And can he do that? You know, maybe. I think Iowa State has a lot of confidence that he can do that, as we've talked about all offseason, about how they really stuck with him as their starter without really much, it didn't seem like deliberation, that there was full confidence in Deckers to be able to assume the role for Brock Purdy. But the fact remains, we still haven't seen him do it under bright lights against a big-time opponent, again, for 60 minutes. He's had flashes last year against Iowa, had flashes against Oklahoma, but he's just an unproven quarterback at this point, a, one with a lot of potential and a lot of confidence from his coaching staff. But again, like it'll be interesting to see what do you do the first time when you got to play high level football from start to finish? Do you thrive? Do you struggle? 
or is it a, a bigger problem than that? Is it inconsistent? I mean, that again, that's the thing to me. It'll be most interesting for Hunter Deckers is consistency over sixty minutes. Can you do it? How do you and what and how do you get him momentum? And we may find this out um, later tonight from from the coordinators who we talked to. Um, how do how does Iowa State do, does Iowa State do anything special to try to give Hunter Deckers momentum, confidence um, early? On the what is his first play of the game? A throw um, to Hutchinson or Noel or or I don't care. Take your pick. Do they do they give him that freedom on on the first play or does the first play, um, you know, which most of the time in big games it's it's a handoff to um, to the tailback and in years past it's been um, Brees and before that David. Um, did they, do they do that? It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they if they do anything special to get Hunter Deckers some confidence in this game against the uh, uh, best defense Iowa State will play and in the most hostile hostile environment Iowa State will play in, um, regardless of, of of how Spencer Petrus is doing, it'll still be hostile against Iowa State. Does well, Iowa State do anything funky to, to get um, Deckers confidence early in the game? That's another um, um little angle that that's going to be intriguing as well well and randy to that point i mean we heard from starting center trevor downing mm -hmm. relatively unprompted yesterday saying their number one agenda is to make sure that their quarterback gets comfortable and in a rhythm you know really early on and i think some of that is informed by last year with purdy throwing those three interceptions and some of that is that you have a essentially a rookie quarterback or at least a rookie starter uh in hunter decker so i think you're right that they're going to prioritize getting Deckers comfortable and in the groove as soon as they can. Now, what form does that take? I'm guessing it's trying to feed those two wide receivers that you mentioned. And you know, do they try to establish a running game early? I mean, obviously they kind of inverted that last week against SEMO with you know, really having a ton of success in the pass, giving way to success on the ground. Do they try to flip that script and feed Jirel Brock early? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I it'll be very interesting to see what that running game looks like because it, it did not look impressive early on in that game against Southeast Missouri until the second half uh, when Brock really turned it on. This is a very different kind of test, though. Uh, so, again, I think it'll be fascinating. Hunter Deckers, to me, is maybe one of the more fascinating aspects of this game from the Iowa State side. Again, I think the dominant – storyline is going to be that Iowa offense because it looks so bad last week and because of the lingering problems they've had there for years. But if you're Iowa State, you know, what do you get from Hunter Deckers? Is he is he dynamic? Does he, you know, throw the ball around with abandon? Does he throw it around with confidence? It'll be really interesting. I could see given what we've heard for so long and including this week, I think Iowa State again is really confident that he can go out in big moments and be a big time player. This is his first chance to go out and show it. Let's close. Let's let's close with this um, debate. I don't know whether we'll debate it or not, but um, who's the most pressure on Travis? Who do you think has the most pressure? Iowa or Iowa State? Brian Ferentz. They boom. Iowa, Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Iowa. He was going mean, to be one of the one of the sub questions there. Yeah. He's got. It's a home game. They were atrocious offensively last week. There was calls all offseason for Iowa State to revamp its offense. They did not do that. 
I still like you also looking at what I think could be an elite level defense for Iowa, high level defense, and to squander that with an offense that just like can't stop stepping on every rake, you know, that it's, you know, on the field, there's going to be a ton of pressure on Iowa. And obviously like that sets up really well for Iowa state to go in there and, you know, try to take advantage of what's probably a pretty distracting week and could be a distracting environment if that offense sputters early. But again, Randy, like when you talk about this game and you talk about that Iowa program, they do have a reputation for looking like they are in the abyss or they're at their worst point and completely flipping the script and winning anyway. You know, whether that's within the season or within a game, that they do have a reputation, a well-earned, in my opinion, reputation for that. So how all this sets up, whether it's sets up perfectly for Iowa State or it sets up as a trap, you know, you could convince me either way. And I guess we're going to find out at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon in Iowa City. Yeah, and and let's let's just say the bottom line here: this game's not a make or break. The outcome's not make or break for um, either team. We've seen, you know, regardless of what happens, we've seen Iowa State um, go to the Big Twelve Championship game after losing. Um, we, we've seen we've seen Iowa State have good things after after losing um, against Iowa. We've seen Iowa have have wonderful seasons after losing. Um, against Iowa State that your Iowa State or Iowa went to the Orange Bowl, for example. Um, so I don't I don't see this game being make or break um, for any for any quote unquote team. But you're right. You're right. For um, for individuals. Yeah, this is like Brian Ferentz. This is this is important. Um, and if I don't know how much longer if if in fact Iowa State's defense can um, can't play well against against Iowa. Is this Petrus's last game as um, a starter? And I have no clue who Iowa State or who Iowa plays in its game after this. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I think I think there's there's as a whole, I think there's more pressure on Iowa than there is Iowa State. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines. This is Hines. I know how to say my own name sometimes. This has been the Des Moines Register Cyclone Insider Podcast. If you miss any of our discussion, be sure to check it out either on uh, the Cyclone Insider YouTube page or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check into DesMoinesRegister.com all week long for all your Cyhawk coverage needs. We'll be around. We'll be writing plenty. Thanks for listening, and we will check you next time.